we appreciate to each one who helps us week to week, um, leading us in worship. This evening at 6 o'clock, we have our first prayer summit, and we encourage you to be here at 6, and it's going to be about an hour, hour and 15 minutes, um, and things are just going to move along uh, in each segment that we've uh, planned and prepared for. And afterwards, we're going to have a time of fellowship, uh, some coffee, and uh, some Timbits. We had some Timbits brought this morning already, so it just kind of got some of your appetite going. And so we just want to enjoy a time of fellowship in our uh, revitalized foyer. And um, tonight will be a great night to begin your prayer journal. We're going to have some things that we do uh, corporately and individually as we indeed... Um, Endeavor to help, or have the Lord help us to make this indeed a house of prayer. Um, good to see you, Ira and Wendy. We've been praying for you as a family, especially you, Wendy, on the departure of your father from this life to the next. And uh, one day we're all going to make that journey. Amen? Oh, no. We're all going to make that journey, right? And uh, hopefully it's going to be. Um, into the kingdom of God. Praise God. Well, we've been in a series, sermon series on uh, making an impact this year. And uh, so I want to share with you um, fourth in this series as we talk this morning about the impact of influence. Father, as we look into your word and uh, the subject matter at hand, we pray, Lord, that as we endeavor as a church, to work together and embrace some biblical principles and enhance prayer life, hearing you speaking to our hearts and lives and recording and writing those things down that we might not forget them, recording our prayer requests and the praise reports and things that you're speaking into our lives and things that we hear from other sources as you speak to us and encourage us. I pray God as a church will grow more and more to become like the image of Jesus Christ. As we look into your word this morning, I pray that you'll help us, challenge us, encourage us, equip us in Jesus' name, amen. So we've been talking about um, how God wants our lives to impact the lives of other people and how God wants us to make a difference in our society. And uh, this series that we're going to do with the men couldn't come at a better time because we see and we've experienced in the news and everything else all kinds of um, revelations of sexual abuse or allegations of sexual abuse. Some have not been proven, but now it's like our society and our male society is living on edge. And uh, there's a lot of things that we can do and prepare and, and place within our life, according to the word, to protect ourselves from um, finding ourselves in a compromising position or whatever. And it's very, very important for us to be men of God and to be godly men, godly women, godly young people. And um, it's amazing how uh, Scripture says that things will be shouted from the rooftops and what's done in secret will be made known. Um, And uh, my heart and prayer goes out to people who have been falsely accused, and there may probably be more of them, but... Um, we need to ask God to help us as men, and so we want to help to equip the men of our church and the young people to be who God wants us to be and to impact others with the things that we are learning. God has put us here on earth not just to take up space, not just to have a job or an education, but to really influence others for Jesus Christ. Unfortunately for many of us, instead of our lives being the one that influences others, Too often, we are the one who's influenced by others. And the world has an impact on us, and the longer we live, sometimes the greater the impact can become. But I want us to know today that God didn't put us here 
didn't save us so that we could be influenced by the world, but so that you and I could have an influence on the world for him, so that the world could be changed through us. And that's what this series has been about. Part of God's mission for my life and for your life is that we impact those people around us. We influence the people around us for Jesus Christ. You see, once we became a believer in Jesus, we all received this mission to be an influence for others, to allow our faith to influence others and help to see them drawn towards Jesus Christ. Our memory verse today is Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It's a very powerful and amazing passage of Scripture, sometimes called the Great Commission. And here Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. These are the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended to heaven, so final words are really very important. And I want us to know that these words are just as important today as when Jesus shared them with his disciples. Just as important in our lives as they were when Jesus first spoke them. God is looking for believers who care enough to go out and influence people for Christ. To help them understand his love for them. And we have a great example for this right in the Bible. In Luke chapter 5, there's the story of four friends who bring their friend to Jesus. And it's such an important story. It actually shows up in three of the Gospels. I want us to look at this from Luke chapter 5, and what happens is four friends have a friend who's paralyzed. And they want to make sure that this friend gets to Jesus. So we pick up the story, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. One day while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So some men came carrying a paralyzed man, on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So the room is totally packed with people. Jesus is in the room teaching. He was in this small room. There's no way for them to get their friend in, so here's what they did. So they went up to the roof, took off some of the tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now this is almost... It's almost comical. If you think about it, you can picture this in your mind. These guys going up on the roof and they're tearing up the roof and lowering their friend down through the roof. And here's what it says in verse 20. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, Who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking. It's important for us to remember that Jesus sees in our hearts. He knows what we're thinking. So Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up. Pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home, praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, We've seen amazing things today. Now, from this story of the paralyzed man and his four friends, there's a lot we can learn about how we can influence and how we can bring people around us to Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about that today. It's notes in your bulletin. You can fill in some blanks there. How can I influence people in my life for Jesus? And here's the first step that we can take. First of all, we have to be concerned for my friends. And that's the principle of compassion. To be used by God, your purpose, your life mission has to flow out of compassion. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It must flow out of love because I don't care what you do in your life if you don't do that with love in your heart. 
If you don't do it with compassion, the Bible says it's worthless. So before we can influence someone and influence their life for God, you have to have a genuine love for that person. Romans 15.2 says, Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You probably heard the old saying, Nobody cares. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. It's true because no one cares all the things we know. How to come to know Christ and all those things until we show them the love that you have for them in your heart. And that's why we have to, ha- that's why what we have to have because a vast majority of people living around us are living lives apart from God. They don't know that God loves them and they don't know that Jesus died for them and they don't know the hope and the joy that comes from having Jesus in your life because perhaps they never had anybody demonstrate to them that love. Unfortunately for many of us, the problem comes when we don't realize when we, we really don't know and really don't care for those people around us. And it happens. We all get preoccupied. We all get busy. We have things to do. We have goals to meet. We have projects to finish. We have things to fulfill. We've got ambitions and an agenda. So we've got to worry about today and tomorrow and the week after that. So a lot of times, we don't show that genuine compassion and care. But folks, listen. We'll never bring anyone to Jesus until we first care about them. Until we first show compassion and show concern for them. And in our key passage, the reason that God used these four guys is because they were sensitive to the needs of their friend. They cared enough about their friend to bring him to Jesus even though it wasn't convenient. They were not preoccupied with their own lives. They cared enough to bring him to Jesus. How do you know that you care for the people around you? Here's how you know. Are you aware of their needs? And that's how we know if we really care about someone. You're aware of their needs. If I care, I'm aware. If I don't care, I'm not aware. And the way you begin to care is through the power of prayer. Colossians 4.3 Pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his plan concerning Christ. Prayer is so crucial and so key. So the Apostle Paul says to pray. Now listen, our heart moves. Here's a great principle. Our heart moves toward whatever you pray about. It's like when you're driving a car. And you're driving and your focus goes over here. Guess where the car is going to head? Over here. Whatever the focus is of our prayers, that's the direction we go. And if we'll pray for those friends that we know that don't know Jesus Christ, our focus and attention will go towards those people. So when we pray for the people around us, two important things happen. First of all, our heart begins to soften. Even as Matt encouraged us this morning, he didn't know we were going to be preaching about it. It was an awesome confirmation. If, if we begin to pray for those people, our hearts begin to soften even more for them. And we begin to see that person as someone that God loves and someone that we want to help influence for Jesus Christ. Not only that, but as we pray for them, our heart softens and God begins to give you opportunities, just like the Apostle Paul talks about here. God gives you opportunities to be able to share the love of Jesus with that person. And the first step to influence anyone for Jesus is to pray and to show compassion, to show care for those people. And here's what I want to give you an opportunity to do right now. Matt asked different people, caught most off guard, right? Who's one person you want to pray for? So in your bulletin or on your bulletin somewhere, I want you to take a moment. Write down five or six people that you know, first names, whatever, that need Jesus Christ. Five or six friends that you know, or neighbors, co-workers, enemies, whatever they are. Five or six people you know who need Jesus Christ. Just jot down their first name in your bulletin. 
Going to give you a moment to do that. Some of you are saying, I don't have a pen. If you get a journal, there's a pen attached to it. Five or six people jot down their first name. Then I want to challenge us to take that a step further. Like, who are these people we could pray for and we could invite, perhaps, to come with you to church? Whoever that, or maybe for lunch or for coffee or over to your house or, you know, just whatever the the place is that you can begin to share with them what Christ has done in your life. It begins with showing concern and caring for that person. That's the first step, but we also have to take a step of faith. If I want to influence the people in my life for Jesus, secondly, I must believe Jesus will save my friends. And that's the principle of faith. We have to believe that Jesus will save them. Jesus talked about faith, and he talked about the faith of a group of people. Now, whose faith in this story was Jesus most impressed by? Whose faith? The four friends. Jesus was impressed by the faith of these four friends. It wasn't the paralyzed man's faith. He wasn't able to bring himself to Jesus. He was amazed by the faith of the four friends who believed that Jesus could help their friend. Listen, this is an important principle because there's a lot of people in our lives who are paralyzed. They're paralyzed by fear. They're paralyzed by guilt. They're paralyzed by grief or past mistakes. They're paralyzed by bitterness. All of these kinds of things. So they don't believe in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. You and I, we're going to have to believe on their behalf. We're going to have to believe and and we're going to have to bring them to Jesus Christ. These four friends, they bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus because they believe that Jesus could save him and Jesus could heal him. So let me ask you. Have you ever met anybody in your life that you thought, you know what, that person is hopeless. That person will never give their life to Jesus Christ. You look at their lives and it's like, there's no way that person's ever going to come to know Jesus. They're just too far gone. Let me tell you the truth. No one is ever too far gone. No one. No one is beyond the reach of God's grace. They got breath They're breathing. No one. They may be in a place right now where they don't believe and they feel like they even can't believe. So here's what's going to happen. You and I are going to believe for them. Now I know every person makes a choice. And when this paralyzed, crippled man was faced with Jesus Christ, he had to make a choice. But we can believe to bring people to Jesus Christ where they can be in an atmosphere where they can make a choice. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Friends, There's no doubt people in your life and in my life, and they don't believe in Jesus right now. As David was sharing us a few minutes ago, I firmly believe God wants to get us ready. And God wants us to be ready. Because friends, for those who are ready, it's going to happen. God is going to provide the ones that we can disciple and pray with and see come to faith in Christ and see to grow into a likeness of Jesus Christ and see holiness developed in their life. 
as God prepares our hearts, we're going to have to believe and bring people to Jesus. And let's not miss the next step, number three. We don't just pray for our friends. We bring them to Jesus. It's just not a thing that it's done, you know, off somewhere and, and uh, the friend never knows. Don't just pray for my friends. Bring them to Jesus. For our life to influence someone for Jesus, it's going to take concern. It's going to take faith. But it's also going to take action. Luke 5.18 says, Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus. Now, I want us to think for a moment about this. This guy's paralyzed, and if you're paralyzed, you can't come to Jesus on your own. He needed these friends to bring him. Now, evidently, his friends had developed a plan in order to bring their friends to Jesus, because here's the thing. You know, if you're going to bring him to Jesus, you're going to have to climb up on the roof and let him in. They had to have a plan to do this. They said, okay, well, we can't get in this way. So the next plan is, and they devise devise a plan, they go up on the roof, and they start tearing the tiles off the roof so they can let their friend down in front of Jesus. Now let me ask you, do you have a plan to bring people in your life to Jesus Christ? Do you have a plan in your life to bring people to Jesus Christ? If you don't have a plan, If you don't have that in your mind to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to invite that person out. I'm going to invite them to a service. I want to influence this person for Jesus. If you don't have a plan, then you're probably just going to get busy. Things are going to happen and you're going to get distracted and days are going to turn into weeks and weeks into months and months into years. And before you know it, you haven't really used your life to make an impact and influence for anyone for Jesus Christ. Not because you don't care, because, but because you were just too busy, too distracted by all the other items of, of life. Listen, if we don't fulfill that life mission, if we don't do that, if we don't influence others to Jesus, we're going to miss out on a big part of life. In a couple of weeks, I want to, I want to kick off another series Uh, And I want it to be about relationships and uh, how important relationships are in our life. You want to get better at your marriage. You want to have a better relationship with your kids. You want to have a better relationship with your parents. So I want us to look at a series, number of weeks, and how um, we can have a better relationship with our friends and people that don't know Jesus Christ. Because guess what? Just like you and I, they want to be better at their relationships too. And so in a couple of weeks, we'll kick that series off. It's a perfect time to invite your friends. We're going to be talking about what does it really mean to love someone. You know, everybody talks about love and we throw love around as if it's some kind of word that we really don't understand. Well, that's what we're going to do in a couple of weeks. We're going to talk about what it really means to love someone the way that God loves you. Friends, trust me, I need a lot of help too. This is not coming from an expert. Um, you know what an expert definition of an expert is? An X, X is a has-been, and a spurt is just drip under pressure. That's an expert, right? None of us are experts, but I want us to look into the Word of God. And what does God's Word have to say about how do we really love somebody? How do we really care for somebody? How do we really engage talking and, and building a relationship with somebody. Perfect opportunity. Bring your friends. They're going to hear about God's love for them. They're going to have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus Christ. I hope you'll do that. Those friends you wrote down in your bulletin or in your journal, I hope you bring them with you to Jesus. I hope you believe for them. I hope that you're concerned for them. But take action and bring them to Jesus as well. It doesn't have to happen here. It can happen in the lunchroom. It can happen Starbucks. It can happen 
wherever it can happen in your home, it can happen in their home, it can happen on the street. But our maximum impact for this week is bring my friends to church. If we all brought a friend to church, how long would it take for us to fulfill our 10-1-10 vision? How long would it take as David challenged us this morning to see this place filled with people coming to know Jesus Christ? Being a part of heaven experiencing jubilation as people come to faith in Christ. You want to influence people in your life for Jesus. Then, next principle, don't let difficulties discourage you. And that's the principle of persistence. Don't let difficulties discourage you. This means that we're not going to give up when things get hard. What happens is sometimes, you know, people say no. Right, Matt? You want to share Christ with them? And they say, not interested. Hi, Freddie Jr. Good to see you and your bride. Awesome. You back to Calgary for good now? There is a God in heaven. I'm sure your mom and dad are related. Freddie and his new bride, recently married, and now come back to Calgary. It's so good to see you. And I didn't notice you earlier, but great to see you. Don't let difficulties discourage you. Because when you ask people, and when you present the gospel or share with them Jesus Christ, sometimes they will say, not interested. Don't give up. Don't quit. They say no, so sometimes we get discouraged. We're sorry about that, but listen, I don't want us to get discouraged by that. Because that initial first invitation to share Christ with them, what Christ has done in your life, you may not know, but you may have just helped someone take one step toward a relationship with Jesus Christ. Even though they said no. When the guys in our story finally figured out they couldn't bring their friend to Jesus. They couldn't get in. And verse 19 says, they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So what did they do? They go up on the roof, start taking off some tiles. Now, these friends, they've been trying to bring their friend to Jesus, and they couldn't get in. I'm sure it was, initially it was discouraging to them. They couldn't get in. But they didn't give up. They didn't say, oh, well, I guess it wasn't God's time. We'll have to try again next time, next year, next meeting. No, they kept at it. They didn't stop. They go up on the roof. I'll get this. They go up on the roof. They start taking off these tiles. The room's full. They can't get in. And they have to get innovative in order to find a way to bring their friend to Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment because it's kind of crazy. They go up there, start taking the tiles off. Jesus is in the room. He's teaching. Imagine if you're in that room, and all of a sudden you hear all this noise on the roof. This happening overhead, and plaster starts to fall. And like, what in the world is going on up there? And then all of a sudden, there's this tiny little hole that opens up, and some guy sticks his head down into the room. And he says to the other three friends, we got to go over that way. So they move over, or they start ripping the tiles so they can get over wherever Jesus is, because it says they lowered him right in front of Jesus. Have you ever been willing to step out beyond your comfort zone and and tell yourself, listen, it's going to take some extreme faith to bring this person to Jesus Christ? Some people will not be won to Christ by a weak faith. Sometimes it takes extreme faith to bring people to Jesus. When you have someone, or you share Christ with that person, and you care about that person, you can take these steps of extreme faith. Now listen, they may look at you and then say, I don't know about this guy. Kind of out there. He's kind of coming through the roof to try to bring me to his church. This guy's a little crazy. But I want to tell you, if they come here on a Sunday, now I know there's other ways, but just talking about here for, for this moment. 
If they come here on a Sunday and they see the great things that are going on, they begin to realize, okay, there's something to this. Maybe the guy that invited me here, he's a little out there, a little extreme, but it seems like the rest in this room are kind of normal. Will we go to extreme faith to bring people to Jesus Christ? I don't know what the aspect of extreme faith for you might be. Maybe it'll be going for, to a place that you're really uncomfortable in going to. Just to share Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not really an NFL football fan. But you'll go to your friend's house because he invited you to watch the Super Bowl. And you hate football. Go. Engage. Will we take extreme faith to get involved in somebody's life? To have an opportunity to share with them Jesus Christ? I'm not saying to compromise your morals or your standards or your values. I'm just saying, will we step out with extreme faith? We don't need to get discouraged, but we need to believe in Jesus and understand he's calling us to step out in faith for them. 2 Peter 3.9. Here's what happens with patience because it comes to you and me. Sometimes our patience runs thin. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient. He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to. To repent. God is patient with us and wants us to be patient with other people around us. Don't let the difficulties discourage you. Keep after it. Then one of the ways that we can remain encouraged as we continue to influence people for Christ is through step number five in our notes, and it's this one. Work together to get the job done. The principle of cooperation. And this means that when it comes to sharing your faith, you don't have to do it alone. In fact, there's great power in working together. Let me ask you a question from our story. How many guys did it take to let this man, this paralyzed man, down in front of Jesus? Four. It took four. One in each corner of a mat. He's on the blanket. Four to let him down. One on each corner. Now, if there was only one on each or three corners, and they start lowering him, the guy's going to fall off. The blanket is disaster, right? So it took a team. It took a group effort to bring this friend to Jesus Christ. And one of the reasons we want to have our prayer summits is that we might pray together, believe together, trust God together, that we might see your friend come to know Jesus Christ. We want to provide you tools. We want to provide you encouragement. We want to provide you training. That every one of us might together see people come to faith. There's no greater occupation on this planet than helping somebody find freedom and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Luke 5.19, Then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Perhaps some people are only going to come to faith in Christ through a group effort. They're going to come to Christ because it's not just you, but it's you and others who are influencing them toward Jesus. I mean, Scripture says, you know, one sows, one waters, the Lord brings the increase. Sometimes it's going to take a group. Sometimes it's going to take a few friends getting together with somebody to see them come to faith in Christ. Studies show that people make decisions to come to Christ quicker in a caring group environment than they do on their own. So when you invite someone and you're telling them about Jesus, you invite them to church and they look at you and they're like, well, I don't know about you, but, you know, the others seem to be okay and I felt welcome and things seem to be happening and people seem to be engaged. Friends, don't worry about bringing people to church that something's going to happen to embarrass or, you know, cause things to go south. 
Friends, look around. There's intelligent people in this room. There's educated people in this room. There's loving people in this room. There's caring people in this room. Imagine the impact that that would have as people come to know Jesus Christ right here in this place. Let's do it together. Let's pray for our friends. Let's invite them to come. Let's create an experience here where people will say yes to Jesus Christ. Now we talked a lot about how we can influence our friends for Jesus, but there's one final important point I want to give you right here on your notes. Step number six, we need to be willing to pay the cost for our friends. Be willing to pay the cost for our friends. The principle of sacrifice. Back to our story, the friend, they're up on the roof. They've torn all the tiles off. They've cut this hole, huge hole, to let their friend down. Have you ever wondered who paid for the roof repairs? You ever wonder who paid? Oh, sorry guys, we made the hole, you fix it. You don't just go over to somebody's house and rip off all the tiles and cut a big hole in the roof and then leave it, right? No. These guys, they were willing. They said, listen, we're, we know it's going to cost us. We're going to have to repair this roof. We're going to have to pay for this. We're going to have to fix this. But it's worth it. So they bring their friend to Jesus regardless of the cost. Friends, there's always a cost to bring someone to Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's a cost of time. Maybe it's going to cost you something this week to maybe call a friend or see a friend and invite them. Or schedule a meeting with them. Maybe there's a cost of effort, cost of energy. Maybe there's a cost of money, you know, when you buy somebody their lunch. Just so you can sit down and have a conversation with them. There's always a cost. Unfortunately, often, we're not willing to pay the cost. We're not willing to make the sacrifice. Maybe God put someone on your heart earlier in the service. Or maybe as Matt was challenging us, and you didn't quite get the name on it, but there, there it was, this person who you're praying for that wants to come to know Christ. Maybe you wrote their name down on the bulletin. You say, Pastor, I'm going to pray. I'm going to engage with them. And I'm going to endeavor to invite them. But you know what the truth is? I really don't think, Pastor, I'm going to see them in church. i got all this stuff going on. They've got stuff going on. I don't think I'll ever see this, them this week to invite them. But listen, what if? What if you rearranged your schedule this week? Even if it inconvenienced you. Just so you could see that person face to face. Just so you could invite them. Just so you could meet together with them for coffee or lunch or whatever. Just so you could invite them over to your house. Just so you could get together with them. Show them you care. Maybe your friend had been going through some circumstance or some situation or some thing. You kind of knew about it, and you thought, well, you know, they'll, they'll be fine. They're old enough. They can handle this. Maybe it's just that call that you make. Or maybe this week, as you've been praying for that person, God's going to put you face-to-face with that person. And all of a sudden, you say, wow. Will you take the opportunity? Maybe you're busy. Maybe you're rushed off somewhere. Are you willing to pay the price. What if every parent here gave their child permission to invite their friends to come to church with them on any Sunday of the year? But imagine for just a moment, what if the parent said, Hey kids, if you ever want to invite your friends to church with us, we'll buy their lunch at McDonald's after church and take them home. We'll pick them up. Their parents let them come. We'll pick them up. We'll pay the price for that to happen. Imagine perhaps how many children would come to know Christ this year. If we were to do that, maybe there's someone that you've been trying to invite, a classmate or a co-worker, and they're just not sure about all this. But what if, what if you said, hey, listen, why don't you come to church with me? pastor's going to be doing a new series on relationships and love. And why don't you come with me and I'll take you to lunch afterwards. 
I'll buy you lunch so we can talk about it. What if we were willing to pay the cost? To reach people, we have to be willing to do it. We have to be willing to get out of our comfort zone and to realize that there are people around us that desperately need Jesus Christ. Reginald Bibby had done some amazing studies on religion in Canada. One of his latest studies, he discovered there's a lot of people, more and more people, who are disengaging from church attendance. But even the ones who are disengaging from church attendance, who aren't necessarily practicing spirituality, are saying that if somebody were to invite them, especially if they were to invite them and they had something going for their children, they'd be interested. Wow. That's the impact of influence. To care enough for people that God has put in our lives to bring them to Jesus Christ, just like these friends brought their friend to Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 24. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The sad thing about this story that we've been talking about today is that the Bible tells us that the guy who desperately needed salvation couldn't get in the room because the room was so full of religious people. What a sad story. What that means is that the room was so full of people that were only looking out for their own religious experience. Well, I go to church because I want to feel God. I want to experience the worship. I want to tap my foot to the music. I want to sense God. I want to say that was a great service. But what about the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ? Room is so full of religious people, concerned about themselves. So this person who desperately needed Jesus couldn't even get in through the door. May that never be said. Of our church. May it never be said. Our church is a place for those who are imperfect. Did you check the mirror before you left today? We're all imperfect. Our church is a place where you can invite friends and they can come and they can hear about God's love for them. They can experience the love that we have for them. May it never be said that Northwest Family Church is a place that is closed, that is inwardly focused, that doesn't care about our community. Like these friends who were willing to go above and beyond to bring their friend to Jesus. Friend, may that, I think it is, may that be who we are. Are willing to go and use extreme faith. Friends, the church exists not just for those who are here. The church exists for those who do not yet know Jesus. And that's the mission we have. As we go out to make an impact here in our community, listen, are you ready? Are you ready to make an impact? Are you ready to influence the people in your life for Jesus? Now, friends, listen. I am not a proponent of the Easter Bunny. I don't believe in the Easter Bunny. They have no spiritual significance in the Easter Bunny, nor the Easter eggs. Rabbits don't lay eggs. They lay some things that may look like a small egg, but they're not eggs. We know that. But I want to tell you this. We do not know how many people, how many kids, how many homes are being influenced little by little from your labor packaging up some chocolate foil-covered eggs like somebody had a great idea, I think we should try and do that. Maybe we just place a, you know how, the, how many like Chinese food? How many eat the fortune cookie they give you at the end? How many read the message? I'm not going to ask how many of you look at the number and hopefully you win. It's a, it's a silly little thing, right? It's like We don't put any stock in it. But maybe there's 
a scripture verse. Maybe there's something we can place inside of that package of eggs. Maybe there's a connection you can make with a parent or a child on March 35th or 31st, 35th, March 31st. Rather than going in the morning, we're going to go at 1 o'clock this year. Hopefully it's warmer. As we're in the park, engaging with hundreds and hundreds of people. To what extreme will you go to care about somebody else's kid, child? Give them a few minutes of fun and the dentist lots of work. To engage with somebody. Community Association contributes every year now. Now they're looking forward to having their, their uh, community stampede breakfast here again on July the 7th. Another great opportunity to engage with the community. Put on a cowboy hat and some boots, whatever. And just get in there and help. Mingle. Are we willing? Are we willing to go out of our comfort zone to engage. Matthew 5.14 says our final verse. You are the light of the world. I believe with all my heart. Northwest Family Church. We're to be the light of the world. We are to be the light. Here in Northwest Calgary. And beyond. Would you pray this in your heart with me. As we bow our heads. Father. I want you to use me. I want you to use our church to reach people around us for Jesus. God, help us to be concerned about the people that we know who don't know Jesus yet. Father, may they be constantly on our hearts. No one is beyond reach of your love and your grace and your mercy. So, Father, help us to make plans to bring people to you. Help us not to get discouraged by the enemy's tricks and tactics and things that he'll try to use. Lord, help us not to give up, but to keep praying, to keep asking you to provide us opportunities, to keep reaching out, to keep going beyond our own comfort zone, be willing to pay the price, whatever it takes, To share the greatest message we could ever share that's transformed our lives and can transform our friends as well. Maybe you're here today and we've been talking about a topic of reaching out to others for Jesus Christ and why it's so important, but maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. You haven't asked him to come into your heart and like you haven't, as Matt prayed earlier, you haven't turned and repented and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Wash away my sin and come and live inside of me and help me to be the person you created me to be. Maybe that's you. As everybody's praying in this room and your heads are bowed and maybe you too, you're, you're asking, Lord, Lord, Could today be the day that you want me to humble myself and ask you to forgive me my sin? My friends have been inviting me. They've been telling me I need to go to church. I need Jesus. How I can be free of my sin and the guilt and the load I carry. How I can know that I have eternal life and Maybe friends have been talking to you and praying for you and inviting you and sharing Christ with you. And, and you're here and you'd say, Pastor, yes, today, I want to make the decision. Give my life to Jesus Christ. And you just raise your hand up and down and say, yes, today. Today I want to do that. Anybody here, if you have not, and you're not living that life for Christ, and you say, yes, today I want to. Just up and down real quick, anybody. Thank you. Thank you. 
Father, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you accept us and receive us exactly right where we are. And from that moment forward, you begin to change us on the inside. You place your Holy Spirit inside of us. Give us the strength and the ability to live for you. Or maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want to be like one of those four friends. Whatever it takes. How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm in. I'm all in. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Father, help us to remember this story. These have been recorded in Scripture for a reason. To teach us, to show us, to encourage us. May your love for us be a burning passion in us to love others. Lord, bless every decision made here this morning. Bless your church. Bless every family, every person. We thank you for them. I want to say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance on you. And give you shalom, peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Trust we'll see you tonight, 6 o'clock, for our first prayer summit. And... uh,